When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, I'm going to start with an obvious observation, so just bear with me for a minute. Canada's housing market is crazy. It's bonkers. Like, it's, it's baffling. I know people have said this, but let me just run through the facts one time. You spend years scrimping and saving. You go out to restaurants, you know, at brunch with friends. You order the cheapest thing on the menu. You maybe skip vacations or forgo lots of tiny luxuries so that you can save enough money for a down payment. And then by the time you're ready to start looking, you turn around and prices have risen so much that you're priced out of the neighborhood you wanted. Or maybe you realize you're gonna have to stretch your finances a little more than feels really comfortable. You never spent so much money on anything in your whole life. And the first thing you learn is you have to compromise on everything. And yet, a lot of Canadians are chomping at the bit to do this. Because when you think about it, I guess, what are the alternatives? Rents are rising just as fast in many of these cities. I'm Gabe Friedman, and for this special episode of Down to Business, I talked to three different first-time homebuyers with three completely different experiences about why they chose to wade out into the fast-moving river that is commonly known as Canada's housing market. They don't know each other, but in talking to them, I found they had a lot in common. They all found parts of the process extremely stressful, and they also said they're all so happy to be in the housing market. I'll explore all these issues on this episode. As always, the interviews are edited for clarity and brevity. Okay, so I'm going to introduce my first guest to you. His name is Sumi Raghu. He's 22. He lives in Brampton, Ontario, which is a fast-growing city northwest of Toronto. And against the odds, I say that against the odds, he bought a house at a young age. But he'd been thinking about this for a while. Yeah. So back in 2018, when I was still in school with my friends, I was just joking around and I was like, hey, let's buy a cottage together. All my friends thought I was crazy. And I don't know, it sounded like a challenge for myself. And I wanted to uh, buy a property then. But I had no income, nothing to like get approved for a mortgage. It makes sense. I know when I was in university, I was basically living off of cheap noodles. And the idea of buying a house had not occurred to me. It would have seemed like like folly. But Sumi had a job. He'd been training as an audio engineer and a lighting technician. And he told me that he was getting a lot of work in the film and television industry. So again, in 2018, he didn't have any money, just this whimsical dream. Wouldn't it be cool to own a cottage? Fast forward a year and then it was 2019, I got a job and I started working a little bit and started freelancing and stuff. And then uh, COVID hit. And it was that then I decided to just try to get all my studies done. But at the same time, I put myself into full time work and I was like working a lot during the pandemic. And I saved up a lot of money enough to put a down payment on a house. And I was just uh, looking with my dad at some properties. And then we were looking at these and these properties are crazy, like the 1.5, 1.6 million. And I, we, we couldn't afford that. <laughs> So what we decided to do was uh, 
we looked at some pre-construction places and those places were like, you'd only have to put, well, I'm saying only, but like it was a lot of money then. You had to put down like $200,000 and then like the property would, would have been built by next year and then you can move in and all that stuff. So it sounded like a nice idea to us. And uh, that's what we did. Uh, we put down some money and uh, we, it wasn't like 200,000 like right away either. It was like, it was a structured deposits. Okay. So the term he just used, if you're not familiar, was pre-construction. It means not yet built. One thing I've noticed is in this housing market, everyone is hunting for a deal, you know, looking for an angle that no one else sees because everything's so expensive and we're all trying to figure out how to get value for what we're paying. For a lot of people, the answer to that is pre-construction. In a lot of cases, these are houses or condos that are sold by the builder on a first come first serve basis. And the advantage of that is there's no bidding war. You have to put down a down payment. The builder determines how much. Usually it's 20%, but you have a little more time to get that money together. The builder decides on the payment schedule. They may want the first payment within 30 days and a second payment in 90 days and so on and so forth. It all depends on the particular circumstances, but in general, you have more time. Some people don't want to do this. You know, it is hard to fall in love with a house you haven't seen. Here's how Sumi described it. So when we saw the house, I don't know what we saw. We we like we, we kind of just went just to see the realtor, I guess. But like it, it was just an empty like concrete basement that we just saw. <laughs> and he's like, this is the house. <laughs> <gasps> it hadn't been built yet. Yeah, nothing was built. It was just like an empty plot of land. We can see like when, when we went there, there was nothing but land. So moving in now, there's like a big neighborhood. It's all developed. And it's just really crazy to see like all this stuff within a year and a half. I asked him what it felt like to put down so much money, $200,000, when all he could see was a plot of concrete, basically in the middle of nowhere, if he was nervous about that. Yes, 100%. I was extremely like iffy, me and my dad, uh, when we signed the property, because we were like, is this the right thing to do? Is it not? We don't have a house, and we're just putting down almost $200,000 on this plot of concrete <laughs> uh wasn't too sure but closer moving on we did some more research well after we signed it and we saw just the amount of projects in brampton going on and a lot of them were successful so we had some hope now for some people buying a house with their parents would just be too stressful but sumi said it actually brought his whole family closer together because the house wasn't built yet they sat down and talked about what they all wanted from it and they had some input on the design so they all had to come to an agreement. Sumi's actually a huge fan of pre-construction. Yeah, like I'm extremely happy. Uh, I got to choose how I want the house to look like. We all collectively agreed how we want our kitchen to be, where our rooms are going to be, how big our rooms are going to be. So it was nice to actually just like choose every single little option. The whole process took months. Actually, it took more than a year, almost a year and a half. They first saw the concrete plot in February 2020. But it wasn't ready until June or July of 2021. So I asked them if they would visit the site of their future home while it was being built, just to see it going up. Every week. <laughs> Every week we would drive down on a Saturday. We'd see the house and then we would get apple pie at uh, the Apple factory. And then we would come home. Every single week. <laughs> yeah, there was about a like maybe... Uh, three month period where like kind of just like walk into the house see how the structure is and everything but 
I think uh, six months into the property being built, they put the doors up and then they locked it. So for three months, we couldn't actually go inside and take a look, but we still went and checked the outside of the property and we looked through the windows <laughs> like we were breaking in just to see how the kitchen was and how everything was. So it was nice to see everything being built on a Saturday and like how everything was just being made, I guess. I have to say, sometimes when I read stories or hear people tell me or listen to people talk about how fast home prices are rising, it kind of makes me think of olden days, like when there were homesteaders who rushed out to the frontier, you know, to follow news of a gold strike or something like that. Basically, when people were taking risks that changed their lives around, maybe they made a fortune, maybe they didn't, maybe they just made a life for themselves. And I guess everyone thinks about it's great to own a home while home prices are rising, but I also wanted to know about the risks. With pre-construction specifically, I was thinking about the risk of construction delays. The builder could say, you know what? We're a year off schedule or two years off schedule. Or they could say, we lost financing and we don't know when we're going to finish. In the worst case scenario, a builder could go bankrupt. There's also quality issues. You have to trust that what's being built will meet your expectations. Basically, you want to know who the builder is, if they've built other projects and how those turned out if they have a reputation or track record at all, you have to do some due diligence. The builder was Rosehaven. And I've heard multiple things about that. The builder, all great things. And like compared to the other builders, what I've heard from other builders saying like they don't use quality materials or they use cheap labor and stuff like that. It gives me a little bit more reassurance that knowing that Rosehaven like doesn't do that stuff from what I've seen and stuff. So I um, had no issues when I chose this property because uh, I knew Rosehaven was backing it. That put his mind at ease because as I said before, he put money down in February 2020 and then had to wait more than a year for the house. By the way, once you put down a deposit, the house usually has to be built or closer to being built in order to qualify for a mortgage. And so for a mortgage, you have to find a lender. There are banks and there are mortgage brokers. The mortgage brokers shop around on your behalf and negotiate with lenders to get you a mortgage. There's lots of reading you can do on this topic, and we'll cover it more in a future episode. So my broker, um, I'm not going to name him, but like I've had a very uh, unique experience, I guess. Like we would be sending in paperwork every other day for like pay stubs, just the amount of loans that we had, and like there's so much things that we had to send him, and then he would send back, and then there would be like weeks where he wouldn't get get back to us. And then when he did get back to us, it'll be like a mix of good news and a mix of bad news. That sounds a bit stressful, I have to say. It was like very uncertain until we moved in. Closing was June 3rd. We moved out of our house on three days before uh, the closing. So 30th, 31st, we moved out. So we got an Airbnb in Toronto for a couple of days until we got the house. And even then, like the day before we, we were supposed to move out of that Airbnb, he said, congratulations, everything's good. You guys are good to move in. Now, June 3rd comes, closing. We're talking to the lawyer and the lawyer saying, hey, the mortgage didn't get approved. So we're freaking out. We don't know what to do. We don't know if we're homeless. And at the end, thank God he figured it out. Oh, my God. I can't imagine how stressful that would be. We we don't know where, <laughs> like what happened and like. We were so scared that we were going to be homeless that time. I mean, and to be clear, like it wasn't like you guys sold your other house. You were probably renting. This was the first time home you bought. So this was all new to you. Yeah. Wow. That must have been so, so it stressful. It was like terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But And how long were you, Was did it take him days to get everything straightened out? We applied for the mortgage back in February. 
And to be completely honest with you, we tried through a bank and then we tried through two different brokers. So the bank didn't approve us within a month. And then uh, the first broker, we spent a lot of time with them, but at the end, he said he couldn't do it. So we went to another broker and then he initially said everything was good. He sounded like very certain that everything was going to get approved. And then slowly, slowly going into the paperwork and going into getting the approval and stuff, he slowly like made it seem like it was uncertain that we would get the mortgage and it, which it was until the very last day. Okay. I'm just going to cut to the end of the story because things worked out. Sumi moved in. He got a three-year mortgage with a fixed interest rate of 2.79%. He said he could have gotten a lower interest rate if he had gone with a variable interest rate mortgage, but interest rates are predicted to rise in the next few years and no one knows how far they could go up. So he decided to play it safe, given that 2.79% to him still sounded pretty low. In the end, despite all the stressful moments, he said he was happy. He's like especially happy when he looks back at the decision to put down money in February 2020. Just happy that he got into the housing market when he did. I am a firm believer of pre-construction. I would not want to... I would recommend getting pre-construction if you want to buy a first house. And even when he looks back on making that initial payment in February 2020 on the house he bought, it's happy thoughts for the most part. Have a listen. But yeah, it was nerve-wracking. Um I, I'm also I was also super happy to put down something like that at I was like twenty one at that time, so I was pretty happy to be in a place where I can put down some money on a house like that. That was Sumi Ragu, and he bought a house in Brampton, Ontario, where he grew up. I'm gonna change it up and skip to the other side of the country, to Port Coquitlam. That's a little bit east of Vancouver in British Columbia. I spoke to Ziggy Linklater. He and his wife, Katie, are in their late 20s. He's in graphic design and she's an educator. One of the first things I asked Ziggy was if he remembers when and why exactly he and his wife, Katie, got serious about trying to buy a home. So like many others during the the pandemic, uh, my wife, Katie, and I were living in a a one-bedroom condo. Uh, We were both forced to work from home and we quickly realized, you know, we need more space. So we upgraded during that pandemic to a two-bed. And there we found ourselves paying about $3,000 a month in rent, which we realized was not going to be a sustainable long-term solution. So we started to look around at what was available uh, for sale. And we knew we needed two bedrooms, two bathrooms. I work from home, so we needed that space. I was born and raised um, in Winnipeg, but then I, I spent much of my childhood in Burnaby, BC. And as we looked around, we realized, you know, we've been priced out of Burnaby. So we had to look a little further, look a little further. And so for, for us, Port Coquitlam was that happy medium of affordability, of access to green space, of a small you know, community, um, and still has that ability to be you know, 20 minutes from my parents. It wasn't just about space or the fact that the rent is too high. It was emotional. L- listen to him explain, though. So buying a home for me uh, has always been really important because ultimately I want to do everything I can to set my family up for financial success. My parents actually don't own a home yet. Um, they had us when they were quite young and they've been super awesome parents. So for me, buying a home as early as possible is, is going to allow me hopefully to be able to help them get a place of their own down the road. Um, as, as I'm sure you've, you've heard, it's, it's only getting more and more difficult, um, to purchase, especially in Vancouver and the surrounding cities. Um, so for me, I want to get my, get my stake in the sand and get my piece of the mountains and ocean, um, you know, as, as soon as possible, because um, for me, owning a home is owning stability and owning my future. And, and to be able to help my parents out, my sisters out, um, 
it just means everything to me. What we purchased is not our forever home. You know, we call it our five-year home and it's, it's a stepping stone to the next thing. I think a lot of people know exactly what he means, but it's one thing to want to buy a home and it's another to have the dough to make a down payment. And that was the case for Ziggy. So for me, at the beginning of the pandemic, I, with two other uh, business partners, uh, owned a small agency uh, in Vancouver. And that has been amazing. We started that in 2017. Um, but I quickly realized we needed to, to accelerate the save. So I started a side business, uh, my own graphic design business. And, and that took off. And I, I put every man hour I could in 2020 and 2021 into it. And so that was our kind of our home buying story. We needed two full-time businesses along with Katie working. And um, that's kind of what we had to do to make it happen. That actually wasn't all. Uh, we had been saving and saving. But as soon as we started to look, we just accelerated that. We really buckled down. You know, we stuck to a budget. And uh, I'll be honest, I was, I was the fun police. Um, there was no eating out. There was no going out. Um, and luckily, the pandemic helped with that. So uh, we were able to save a bit. Um, we looked at many, many pre-sale developments all throughout the Lower Mainland. Yes, you heard that right. He also went for pre-construction, or as he calls it, pre-sale. I had no idea this was the case before we spoke. But like Sumi and his family, this is where Ziggy and his family saw opportunity. Only instead of a house, they were looking for a condo. Pre-sale for me is the best way. And, and for other first-time homebuyers, it's something I would highly recommend. If you don't have that large down payment or you don't have that financial you know, help from, from friends or, or, or family, pre-sale allows you to get into the market a little bit cheaper. You, know, you aren't getting to walk through the space and, and, and get a feel for it. But that being said, they're doing a pretty good job in, in the showrooms of of showing you what the finishes are going to be like, showing you what the layout will be like. Um, so we we got in last year, I guess 11 months ago, we bought two bed, two bath, just under 1,000 square feet. Uh, we paid 619000 And I had it assessed two weeks ago, and it's now worth over 800000 which is amazing. But if you were to take that 800000 and, and go buy something else, it, we're not going to get the same thing. We'll actually get something even smaller. And that is the paradox of real estate. If your house or condo rises in value and you live in it, you can't just sell it because then you'd be right back on the market. <laughs> yeah. So, but here's a question. Did you feel like you had to do some research on the developer? Because you're giving your money to someone and trusting them that they're not going to run into financial troubles, that, you know, they're going to build quality like that. We absolutely did. We researched all the, the major developers um, that are doing pre-sale projects through Vancouver and the Lower Mainland. We, we got a sense of who's doing good work, who's doing shoddy work. Um, and uh, we ended up going with a smaller developer um, called Mondevo, um, who's done a couple of boutique projects uh, in Vancouver. And we actually went and, and visited the, the properties, walked around them, got a feel of, of what their work was like. Um, we had our eye on a couple different developments, um, but ultimately settled on them just for their, their quality and their uniqueness to their design. It's not just, not just another cookie-cutter condo. So the thing is, after they found this dream condo, it was still months away from being built. And when they looked at their finances, they actually said, wait, we need to get really serious. We need to get even tighter. We jumped in admittedly pretty early. Um, we, we put down our 10% and then we, we looked at our Excel spreadsheets and realized, you know, we, we have a lot of work to do. And so we, we hustled. Yeah, that was just the start too. Yes. Yeah. So we actually, um, we downsized from our $3,000 a month condo to something two blocks from, from the development. Wow. Um, cut our cut our rent in half. We were able to save fourteen thousand uh, dollars in a year doing that, wow. and and it allowed us to be part of the community, 
even before we move into the new home. You know, we've we've been meeting huh. our neighbors, we've been you know enjoying the parks and and the restaurants nearby, and really being being part of Poco. Um, and 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 I walk there every morning. Uh, and when Kate and I go for our evening runs, we run by it every evening and we we check up on it. I joke that all I need is a hard hat, and they probably think I work there. He also found another way to save money. He skipped using a real estate agent. We recognized that uh, after doing our research, uh, buying pre-sales fairly straightforward as long as you do diligence. So what I did is I hired a real estate lawyer to walk through the contract, to walk through all the details together. But we represented ourselves, um, which I wouldn't do if we weren't buying pre-sale. But it's something that I think I just wanted to try. I'm a big real estate nerd. I love following developments and and while while Katie, my wife, is watching Netflix at night, admittedly, I sit up and I read OCPs, official community plans. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, you might be saying, what's that? I don't need a real estate agent. Before you go there, hold on a second. Let's talk about real estate agents. They make commissions and it varies by province and it can even vary within provinces. But say in Ontario, for instance, it's usually around 5% of the selling price of a home. That means if you buy a $500,000 home, there's a $25,000 split between the agent for the seller and the buyer. That's a lot of money, I'll agree to that. But in theory, your real estate agent can and should be doing a lot of work for you. They can not only help you find houses or condos in your price range, they may drive you around to visit some of these properties and they only get paid a commission if you use them to buy a house. And as you've heard, that process can take months. And if you do decide to use them to buy a house, they help you put the offer together. And also, if they're good, in my opinion, they should be giving you smart tips about what to think about when you're buying. Things only a professional would notice. Maybe it's something about the street. Maybe it's a problem with the house. Maybe it's something nice about the house, something nice about the neighborhood. There should be some value that they're adding. Now, as you just heard Ziggy say, he was deep into the weeds with his research. Like he was reading planning documents. He knew what he wanted and what he didn't. And what he didn't want is a condo with a lot of amenities. Because swimming pools, gyms, party rooms, these things all end up costing you money in the form of fees that you pay on top of your mortgage. So for us, we wanted to go for a development that wasn't trying to wow us with amenities. So many developments now have big gyms and swimming pools. And there's there's one, you know, 15 minutes from us that's being built and they're doing an urban outdoor beach. And while that's really cool, and while that might get you into the presentation center, you have to really step back and look at that and, and, and think, what are those strata fees going to be in 5, 10, 15 years? And so for us, it was about finding a great neighborhood where we could build a family and, and have community, but not have to pay those exorbitant fees. And so for us, uh, I think when we move in, the estimation is about $240 a month, whereas many around us are, are now five, six, and even $700 a month. Um, just to service the pools and service the gyms. So the research, the scrimping, the saving, the stress, it paid off because he found exactly what he was looking for. A two-bedroom, two-bathroom condo with a lot of light. So we are southeast-facing. We're a corner unit. And what I love about our condo is that it's got windows on two sides, which is a little bit unique. It's quite an open floor plan. It's light. It's airy. I'm really excited to have a window in my office uh, again. And I, frankly, I'm excited to have an office again. I've been working at the dining table for, uh, for a year. I get the sense it was a stressful process, but it was also exciting to find the condo. He said it helped that he and his wife, Katie, were on the same page about what they wanted. And that finding the right condo was actually only part of it. They also had to find the right community. 
Katie and I were pretty aligned on what we wanted out of a condo. You know, we, we knew we needed two bedrooms, two bathrooms and, and, a, and a good kitchen. Uh, we both love to cook and we both love natural light. Um, so that was pretty straightforward for us more. It was being in a great community. So, um, right behind us, we've got Central Park. We are a block from our favorite brewery. And, and so it was less about finding our forever home and it was more about finding our forever community. I could see us staying in, in Port Coquitlam for, for many, many years to come and, uh, and growing with it, growing up with it. So my question to him was whether he still thinks about finding that dream house. Yeah, the goal is to get into a dream house. And like I said, I'd like to see my parents in a house and I'd like to see my sisters in, in, in houses or condos. But I would love a yard. I would love to be able to garden and have that, that neighborhood that I grew up in. Right. I actually know what he meant. I would do it again and again and again. Next time I might, I might pick different parents. I read earlier that 90% of millennials get help from their parents. And I think that's <laughs> awesome. Uh, we didn't. So we're going to do it reverse. We're going to help them. And uh, yeah. it's the least we could do. That's incredible. That's incredible. Okay. Maybe one last question, but tell me if this is too dark. You know, we're all in this situation because real estate prices keep going up and they keep going up. They are talking about raising interest rates. No one knows how high they'll actually go, right? But you could imagine that if interest rates go up to a certain point, that housing prices will eventually come down. What if this thing had been appraised and it was just even, or if it was even slightly less? Have you prepared yourself for that? That's a great question. Yeah. So for us, it, it's exciting to see that it's gone up so much in one respect, but we also have to, to step back and remind ourselves that we're buying a home. We're buying into our future. We're not going to be flipping this property anytime soon. Um, so whether it's worth you know six hundred twenty thousand, seven hundred thousand, or, or nine hundred thousand, it doesn't change the fact that you know come summer twenty twenty two, we're going to be moving in and excited to be home homeowners. And um, it's going to go up and it's going to go down, but uh, we're investing in our future. So there you have it: finding a community, making a home. That's really what it's all about. Whether you own or whether you rent. That was Ziggy Linklater of Port Coquitlam, British Columbia. And stay tuned, I've got one more story for you on this special episode. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. My final guests, Amanda and Joseph DiRocco, live in Aurora, Ontario. That's just north of downtown Toronto. Amanda is a civil servant, and Joseph works in construction, and they're different from my other guests in a lot of ways. I mean, they're millennials in their late 20s and early 30s, but they've also started a family already. They have a young son and they were looking for a house. The first thing we talked about is when and why they got into the market. Yeah, so we bought an Aurora approximately like a year and a half ago. It was August 2020. And we really just wanted to stay, like get ourselves in the market and stay in the market. Um, With these increasing prices, it's just like a scary thought to like to think, about maybe, let's say, uh, taking our time and saving up money, like always feeling like it's never the right time to jump in. So we kind of had some incentive there just like kind of to take a shot, get ourselves in the market and kind of see where it takes us from there. 
The thing is, they quickly found that buying a house wasn't easy. They knew what they wanted. They wanted to be close to both sets of parents. They knew they wanted a detached house with a yard. But Joseph was on the road a lot for his job in construction, and Amanda had a young baby to look after, plus her own job. They wound up bidding on five houses and being told five times they needed to go higher. They lost all five. Five may not seem like a lot, but at the time, like when you're in it, you're like, oh, this is the fifth house I lost. Like, are we ever going to get into something? Like you start kind of thinking like that just because it's back to back. For millennials, part of the stress of buying a home is intergenerational. If your parents bought a home decades ago, they haven't necessarily stayed on top of current trends. So you may tell them you're looking to spend a million dollars and they imagine a sprawling estate, you know, polo grounds in one corner, tennis courts over there, swimming pool. But the reality is in some markets today, particularly around Canada's major cities, a million dollars can be an entry-level home. At first, my parents especially were like, are you guys crazy? Like back 20, 30 years ago, houses were nowhere close to what they're going for now. So when we started speaking about our budget or how much uh, homes were selling for, for even them, but mostly for us, it was so crazy to wrap our minds around. But then once you start getting yourself in that kind of budget, you start thinking, yeah, what's another 200,000? Like we're already going to have a big mortgage. Like we'll just increase our monthly payments. We'll, We'll make it happen. But yeah, you do do that. You're just like at this point, was another couple hundred thousand, like, because you're talking about a million dollars, like you're not talking about buying a home for 200,000 and increasing by a hundred, like you're talking about a big number. The other thing about a million dollars is it's such a big number. No one can really understand the difference between 1 million and 1.2 million. I mean, sure, one is $200,000 more, but spread over a 25 year mortgage, depending on the interest rate, that may only add a couple hundred dollars to your monthly payments. And so you look at it and you say, yeah, I guess we can handle that. And that's how you get price creep. I think because like we were losing out, we just kept feeling like, okay, this isn't working. Our budget of a million dollars isn't getting us what we need or in the area that we want to be in. And whatever was in that needed a lot of work. Exactly. So we were kind of like, okay, even if we do find a house at a million dollars, we're going to have to do X, Y, and Z and spend X amount of money to get it to the standard where we want it to be livable. So when you start talking like that, then yes, your budget starts increasing. You start talking to parents or friends or agents who have more experience than yourself. So you start factoring in, even if I bought a house at our budget, what needs to be done? And if you're going to be spending that money on renovations, okay, then if you're comfortable doing that, then maybe you're comfortable increasing your budget and not doing as much work to the house, but spending the same as you would Really, though, what put the pressure on us was losing out on other houses at our original budget. And we just had to say, like, this isn't going to work. If this is something that we want, we want to buy a house, we have to find a way to come up. They felt a lot of pressure to get in while they still could. Well, it was it was a couple months between finding houses that we liked and then being in a bidding war back and forth and getting our hopes up and getting let down. And it was a, it was a couple months process. But then um, with the help of uh, Gloria, our agent at uh, Gloria Frenchy at Century Twenty One, so like it was it was a pleasure working with her. She was a joy to work with. And being in construction, I'm always on the road, so I was just always looking in different areas, and I would call her up. Plus, there was the stress of the mortgage. The bank wants to do its due diligence on you as the buyer, and that means a lot of paperwork. I feel like getting a mortgage, even speaking with friends, it is a stressful process. 
just because, first of all, when you're buying these homes, you're pretty much going in with little or no conditions. So that means like you have a couple of weeks to get your finances in order. Otherwise, you're not getting the deal done. So the timeline is very stressful, like being self-employed or working for family. There is that like conflict of interest that the bank would have, uh, view it as. So in our situation, we fell under that umbrella. So it was like an added stress. Like we had to get letters. We had to show not just our T4s. There were other documents that we had to show. Yeah. And so, of course, it's the bank doing their due diligence. But like when you're under crunch time and pressure, it is that part is really stressful. So I remember like when we were trying to get approved and pre-approved for like our mortgage, it was a stressful couple of weeks. Like I can't say like, oh, it's with the bank and everything will happen. And like, just don't worry about it for a couple of weeks. It was like every day. Do you have all, every document that you need? Now go to your account. Like it was just a lot of running around. It was hectic. And they want to see a lot of documentation of house value when you're in a bidding war. And it's like, how, how am I going to show you this value when I don't even know what we're, what we're going to end up at? <laughs> yeah. It was it was a it was hectic, but when you do have support and it, uh, from experienced people like our agent or like parents who have gone through this process before, even friends and family who have been there even a couple of years before us, saying like kind of coaching us like it'll all work out. This is a normal procedure, like kind of like giving us that extra confidence that helped. The frustration of it all also made them wonder whether they would be better off with like some kind of fixer upper. Because both Joseph and his father, as well as Amanda's father, they're all in construction. So they know how to do things like a gut renovation. But in the end, the more they thought about it, the more they realized it wouldn't work. First of all, those kind of jobs take time. And Joseph already had a job. And they couldn't live in a house while renovating because they had a young baby. I did. Uh, we were looking a lot at the uh, houses on like bigger properties that needed some work. But then it came down to, you know, I could just spend what I'm going to be spending on there and just have it finished because we, I, me, I, I take pride in, and I like to make things the way I like them. And I love building stuff from scratch or even doing a complete rental job. But we just had the baby at the time. Then one day they made an offer on a house and it was over their initial budget, but it seemed like the right call. And they heard back and the answer was yes, your offer was accepted. You got the house. So. After months of watching money stack up in their bank accounts, saving, trying to buy a house and failing, they succeeded. But when this happens, you pretty much empty out your bank account and take on more debt than you can really imagine. And sometimes, instead of feeling unbridled joy, the first thing that happens is doubt creeps up about whether you made the right decision. You second guess yourself. It's true because like Joseph and I have mentioned, we did go over like our initial budget so when we did get the house, you almost start to like second guess, like, okay, why did we get it? Did we overpay? Like, was our offer too high? Like, why Why did they accept our offer? Like, what made us stand out this time and not the other five times? So you do kind of question yourself, especially when you're in the process. It's not till months later um, when you see where the market goes afterwards that you're like, okay, yes, we yeah, made we the right well. decision. <laughs> but it takes time to see that happen. Like, if Let's say we experienced something like a crash. Of course, we would regret it even more. But I don't think yeah, no, but but just where the housing market is going right now, it's not till you've made your decision, you get through all your down payments and all that stuff. And then once you start getting in a routine of paying this new mortgage that you have at our age, 
once you start to kind of get in that routine and comfortable with it, then it's like, okay, yes, we did the right thing. We're in the market. We're in the game. Like that was good for us. And like Amanda was saying too, like in hindsight, had, had we seen what the market was going to be right now, uh, we're, we're thankful that we got in when we got in and, you know, we've already made money. Right. Our investment. Mm-hmm. It can be hard to imagine the process if you're not in it. It just took them a minute to wrap their heads around everything. Joseph and I have been married for four years this year. So when you start to think about four years ago and like back then when we were looking at homes and they were maybe seven fifty, eight hundred thousand, we're like, oh my goodness, that's so expensive. But now looking back, like if we had made the jump four years ago, of course it would have been way better. Like that's why I keep saying hindsight is a beautiful thing. But because of the trend, it's only gone up and up and up and up. It's almost like, yes, we have to save our money. We have to work and go to school when we're in high school. And we were fortunate enough to live with our parents until we were married. So all those factors, even like our parents helping us and whatnot, all those factors of getting a big down payment really helped us. And so when I think about, oh, like, uh, should I invest it in a different way? I kind of feel comfortable that I invested it in the housing market because of how I've seen the trend of it just continually increasing. So they were happy. But here's the other thing I didn't tell you. In part, they were able to get the money together for a down payment on a house because a few years earlier, they'd bought a condo. And yes, they bought it pre-construction. Again, I had no idea that all three of my guests had done this, but perhaps that says something about the way many millennials are getting into the housing market today. So before we got married, we had a condo that we had uh, owned about pre-construction and it took a few years to build. So all we had in there was like a down payment and uh, at towards the end, of course, closing fees and stuff like that. But that really helped us too, making that investment, helping us save so we were able to get into the housing market. I moved into the condo. It was two bedrooms in Maple because we wanted to avoid paying capital gains. So we lived in it for about a year, sold it during COVID first lockdown. So it took a while. It took a while. That was stressful. And then Finally, once it sold, we were able to take that, um, I guess, profit from the investment and bring it towards um, our purchase of this house in Aurora. For Joseph, getting a house with a yard was a huge plus. You can hear that it means a lot for his quality of life when he talks about it. I'm an outdoorsy person. Yeah. I being confined to the balcony and and not having my own like yard or you know place to, to go outside and hang out uh, that was that was hard for me but like it was a great investment yes right so, but it was a good experience because we were able yeah. to make a profit and also i guess kind of like appreciate too like having the house now yeah. and yes here's how he describes the house they live in so uh, you look at the house you come up to the house like in our area um there's a lot of mature trees um, there's a nice like parquet there that we fell in love with because our, our son, as soon as he sees that, his like eyes open up. So there's a little parquet there and that's right across the street from our house. So we have like a two car garage, it's a brick home and with a lot of mature trees around. Yeah. And the home itself, um, it's, it's spacious. It's something that we can grow into, yeah. which was something we were looking for. So it has about four bedrooms. I mean, it's not like the most fun to clean because it has five <laughs> bathrooms, but it's spacious and something we can grow into. Like we have yeah. a playroom for our son. The kitchen is a good size for our little family right now. 
exactly. And it's in a, a mature subdivision and a really ideal location for in terms of what we were looking for. Your trees were, were a big uh, selling feature for me. Like I came in and I saw that like there was a lot of greenery and it looked really uh, picture perfect. Yeah. You may be wondering if this is their dream house, their forever house. They don't use those words, but it's clear that they love it and they take a kind of sober or honest or candid, whatever you want to call it, approach to what they have. We're fortunate to have a great location, a pretty good um, home, a a nice sized lot. And so for some uh, things that we want to fix up in the house, they could come later on down the road. Like we can't do it all at once. But but being a 30, 30, 30, 31 year old home, it is comfortable and it, it does have all the amenities. Like we said, like in the near future, maybe when the kids get a little bit older, we could, um, you know, do upgrades to the kitchen and flooring. But we could always make it a little bit better. But it was easier to, to go into a house that was finished yeah. and being ripping out everything and waiting another five, six months. And especially the time that we're in, and like, I, like we said, being in construction is very hard to find material. So. Yeah. I didn't want it's definitely to. livable, though. Yeah. Like we're definitely yeah. happy we with love it. it. <laughs> we love it. We put it in a, in a huge, a huge update, so yeah. we're really happy with it. So that's their story. That's the housing market today. I mean, for the past decade or so, housing prices have only been getting more and more out of reach for a lot of people living in Canada. You can see this really clearly in a chart of real income in Canada versus housing prices. My colleague Deborah Stokes wrote an article about this, and I'll put a link in the body to this story so you can take a look if you want. Basically, in 2000, housing prices started to break away from income, and it just got worse and worse and worse over the past 20 years. There are a lot of reasons. Low interest rates, the fact that supply hasn't kept up with demand in Canada. But it's not like renting a home provides any relief from this, because rents are also rising. So most people who are fortunate enough to be in a position to buy a house or a condo try and do so. And everyone else winds up thinking about it at some point or another. Now, so far, housing prices have been on an upward trajectory. Will this keep up forever? Nobody knows. But I talked to a lot of economists and analysts for this show and for my job as a reporter for the Financial Post, and I always ask if prices are going to crash. So far, no one has predicted a crash to me. People have said that prices could come down or at least even out, particularly if interest rates rise in the next few years. We'll just have to see. On a future episode, we'll explore real estate investments in more depth. For now, that's the end of this special show of Down to Business focused on the housing market. A big, big thank you to all my guests, Sumi Ragu of Brampton, Ontario, Ziggy Linklater of Port Coquitlam, British Columbia, and his wife, Katie, and Amanda and Joseph DiRocco of Aurora, Ontario. Thank you for listening and supporting us by sharing episodes and rating us on your podcast app. Thanks to the team behind the show, including Bryce Hall, who composed original music for this show. He also produced it. Thanks to Noella Ovid, Pamela Heaven, and Victoria Wells for web support and editing, and to all the editors at the Financial Post. I'm Gabe Friedman, and I'll be back with more special episodes of Down to Business focused on Canada's housing market, as well as our regular weekly show on the Canadian economy. But until then, you can find all your business news at financialpost.com.